Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Plot Twist Design business podcast today. My name is Kelly Collier, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Beth Diana Smith of Beth Diana Smith Interior Design in North Jersey. Stay tuned and let's get started. Hi, Beth. Podcast. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for having me. This has been, I feel like we scheduled this um, two months ago or more. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we scheduled this in 1980, 1985, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's been on calendar for, for quite a while, but definitely well worth the wait. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people know who you are, but I want to ask if you can take the opportunity to introduce yourself to everyone and let everyone know who's listening where you're located. Hi everyone, I am Beth Diana Smith of Beth Diana Smith Interior Design and I am an interior designer based in New Jersey. Awesome. So I always feel like I start with some of the same questions like where did you get um how did you get to where you are today? But I want to just switch it up a little bit and just talk about how our paths um, actually crossed because I feel like I was in your DM and probably all on your page way before High Point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so totally uh, fangirling. And then when we met at High Point, it just was a ball. Um, so I know we're going to get into that later, but I just wanted to start with that because I just think you, your personality is so big and fun and bright. So <laughs> thank you, thank you. And for someone so tiny, because uh, you know I'm, I'm little, I'm barely making five feet. It's funny that I have such a big personality with such a tiny body. <laughs> you do, you do. So I'm so happy. I'm definitely happy and thankful that our paths crossed that way and that we kept in touch a little bit. Even if it's just Instagram, it's still great as busy as things are. So um, I want to start off by asking you, how have things been? Um, well, I should say, how did you survive quarantine first um, during the pandemic? Oh, wow. Um Honestly, I can say I felt okay. And I felt okay because I'm rarely home. So Mm -hmm. to have no choice, like I can't go out, I can't go see clients and I have to be home. I was like, this is great. And I know what's going on in the world is terrible and I can do what I can, but being home was awesome. I I just enjoyed it. I'm like, oh my God. I don't have to jump up super early in the morning. I don't, I can ignore the 6.30 a.m. alarm. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not driving between two states trying to see clients and checking in on renovations. I was like, this is lovely. Mm. I can appreciate Mm -hmm. this. (laughs) Yes, because it kind of forced, I feel like it kind of forced things to be virtual that normally, of course, would have been in person. Absolutely, because some clients love that in-person experience and I I do like to provide that 
Um, but in other aspects, it also taught the client that, okay, I know I wanted Beth here, but she doesn't have to be here for this thing. We could do this over Zoom. Um, and for some of my out-of-state clients, it just worked out perfectly because we had already done this previously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. And I felt like, similar to what you just explained, I felt that in my corporate life, like, see you guys, we don't have to meet this much. We right. can actually <laughs> just do it on Skype. <laughs> right. It's not necessary. <laughs> right. We don't have to truck it into the office on Monday, walk down city blocks and sneakers just to change into heels, just to sit and talk. Right. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I've been appreciating it on that side for sure. Um, and so we talked about this a little bit, but a lot of people in our industry have been super busy since quarantine. So how has that been for you there in North New Jersey? Because you're in North Jersey, right? I am. I am a North Jersey girl. Um, I feel like clients actually kind of picked up because I had my current clients, then I had past clients who were just like, you know what, let's go ahead and just start that project now. Um, And then there were a ton of new inquiries because as I'm sure you know, during quarantine, we started a whole new civil rights movement. And then being a black interior designer became very popular. And you had this a whole new audience who's now discovering mm-hmm. you for the first time. So I actually mm-hmm. had my most amount of inquiries ever during quarantine. Wow. And that's interesting. I'm glad you touched on it because I mean, we've all gained like all of these new followers and it's almost like all of a sudden, like you said, we've just gained all this popularity um, simply because we're Black women or Black interior designers in the minority. Oh, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so besides that, let's talk about how 2020 has been for you otherwise, because first I want to just say congratulations for all the amazing features I've seen you in. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's like every week it's a new one dropping, like a new song dropping or, or something. <laughs> it's <laughs> so my it's own little fun. remix tape. Yes, um. but it's fun to watch. It has been. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, the blessings have definitely been pouring in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we also, we did participate in, although you were a featured designer and I was a guest participant, but we got to talk about the one room challenge just for a moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because first of all, those who participated knows it doesn't get old. It, it's like you just did it yesterday. Every time you walk through those spaces that you completed, right? Right. And for you, you did your entire first floor. So can you just share what um, the story (laughs) was behind that? Because you definitely outdid yourself. Thank you. Yeah, I'm the queen of um, doing the most. Um, So I decided to tackle my open concept first floor, which is my living room, dining room, kitchen. Mm -hmm. But also my adjacent powder room, which is off of my kitchen and my entry, so to get into my home, there's like this shared foyer, I live in a town home. Um, Mm -hmm. So me and my amazing neighbor, we share our foyer. And then you, then we have our own separate doors, either that lead into our home or that lead into our garages. 
Mm-hmm. So I tackled all that space leading from that foyer up into my entry stairs and then throughout that first floor. So yeah, the first, yeah, the whole first floor is pretty much done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And your my thing, I don't know what my favorite thing is. I feel like at first it was the um, gallery wall and then it was your dining room table, um, your stools. It's just so many layers on layers. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Thank you. It was a labor of love. Um, I was, I can hands down admit that I was doing the most because my one room challenge was basically a five room challenge. So I was definitely exhausted and a little worn out and rolling my eyes to myself after a while. Like you did not have to do all of this, but I'm glad that I did. Yeah. So I'm sure it's rewarding now that it's all done. Um, So now I will go back a little bit and just ask if you can share uh, with everyone how did you get to where you are today in your design journey? Oh, wow. Um, it's actually such a very long, convoluted story, and I'm super duper wordy. So I will try to summarize <laughs> it as best as possible. Um, so when I was in college, and I mean, like, before I went to back to school for interior design, my initial career was finance and accounting. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I was going to school for finance and accounting, uh, my mom got sick and she owned a home in um, New Jersey. And it got to a point where, you know, we had to let her house go. My mom went to go live with my with one of my brothers. Um, I'm the the baby of the family. My brothers are much older. And I Mm -hmm. was pretty much bouncing around um, to friends, like still going to school and working almost 40 hours a week. and my brother lived in South Jersey, about let's say two, two and a half hours south of, of where I am and where I was back then too. Um, so when I was wrapping up my master's, I, you know, I'm getting ready to like start a career in accounting and finance. I really thought about like, do I want to own or do I want to rent? Because I knew if I started to rent, it'd be so much harder to save to own a home but I had mm-hmm. always lived in a home um, growing up. Like I had never lived in an apartment building. So for me, mm-hmm. it wasn't really an option. Like, okay, are you going to go outside of your norm and try to rent or are you gonna just save and try to buy a home at 22? So I chose to save and buy a home at 22. So nice. I closed up home um two weeks after my 23rd birthday my mom came to live with me and being so young and doing my career I mean that first year I literally slept on a mattress on my bedroom floor um wow like my mother had like her bedroom was good um I had put all her furniture in storage so like her bed her her room was set up I had a sofa I was like I'm I'm okay like I have my house um, mm-hmm. and then you, 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 you don't even realize when you're first stepping out on your own, like you have to buy the little stupid things. Like, do I have to buy salt? Like there are right. all these things, <laughs> right? Like you don't even think yes. about you have to buy. So I just literally slept on my, on that mattress for that first year. And then gradually I started to like buy furniture, but a lot of it was from, you know, Ikea. This is mm-hmm. like, imagine Ikea early 2000s. 
you know it mm-hmm. wasn't if you try to move it after a while like the base is going to fall off it wasn't the best yes. quality right um so when I got closer to 30 now like roughly like seven eight years later um I started a new job at Viacom um I was taking on a manager role um I was making great money so I was like you know what my style is very different I have the money to do what I want so I started to redesign my space but during this time I'm such a technical learner um I was reading the publications I was doing research and the interior design just kind of got under my skin even though I try to you know get it get it from out under my skin like ah no you're gonna enjoy these good corporate paychecks and this 401k (laughs) and this health insurance and you know I but this time I knew I was going to be getting promoted so I was not trying to entertain a change of career but I did eventually start to entertain maybe this would be a side hustle something fun um because accounting and finance is not fun um next I know I was going back to design school and nights and weekends and life in the universe happened and I kept on feeling like things kept on happening to push Mm -hmm. me out of finance and push me into interior design like you cannot retire doing this best not happy you feel like everyone around you is miserable um I just wanted to venture out my own and I eventually had to come to grips with the fact like do you want to chase the dollar or do you want to chase the thing that really happy so I decided mm. to chase the thing that makes me happy and here we are God knows how many years later wow that's amazing and I think it's interesting that I hear a lot of people say that have left uh, former careers to forge into this full time that it was something or multiple things that propelled them to actually do that so I commend you because I think that's a huge undertaking to not only walk away from your career, but to also embark on going on a whole nother college tour journey for a degree. Um, yeah, it was a tough decision. <laughs> <laughs> that's a it major, was, major one. Yeah, I was definitely going to school nights and weekends and mm-hmm. oh my God, like... I was exhausted all the time. Um, so it was it was rough, but I just kept my my head down and said, Nope, you already said you're gonna do it, so we just gonna knock this out and you're gonna survive and you're gonna be okay and then you will take a break when it's spring break and Christmas break. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those are your breaks. Those are your recess breaks. But right. <laughs> it, I mean, just from the outside looking in, it seems like it was well worth all the work that you put in and this might be a silly question but just want to know when you made that transition um, initially were there any regrets or was it anything that you missed about like I don't know just the stability of a a paycheck every two weeks was there any moments where you thought what was I doing or was that smooth for you um hands down I missed um, a, a steady corporate paycheck because um, mm-hmm. the reality is I went from in corporate I was making a healthy six figures so I was mm-hmm. living very comfortably um, that was something hard to let go of because 
I like nice things. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, and there, there's all those corporate perks like amazing health insurance and that 401k match. It was those things, and I had built so many great relationships with people. I missed, mm-hmm. you know, I missed going to Starbucks at three o'clock every day with a couple of my coworkers, and I missed, mm-hmm. you know that 30 minute train ride um, from New Jersey to New York. Well, I just got to um, be still, check emails on my phone, start my work day, you know, walk from Penn mm-hmm. Station to Times Square, like that entire experience, I realized mm-hmm. I missed. I like the hustle and bustle. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So I can relate to that because like you I have a similar healthy salary right and I look at like it took me a while to get here I didn't go um straight from you know high school to college and do it the traditional way so for me it's like that I worked this hard to get here and then walk away but when you start a business the way you probably felt when you first started doing it on the side it's it's something different I gotta say I mean I think I would miss the stability of the paycheck as well, but I think the trade-off, it seems like one um, that a lot of people appreciate. So a lot of people are out here contemplating doing that or, you know, still doing both. So I think it's inspiring to me and others when we hear stories like yours because it was a great successful one and it took a lot to get there, a lot more than some people even put into it, you know? true there were so many sacrifices and hard lessons and smiles and tears and wanting to scream and wanting to jump up and down and happiness so I feel like there are people see people see the the end of the story mm-hmm. and they never see the chapters in between um so there were definitely some yes. very very rough chapters where I was like girl if you you should have stayed in corporate and (laughs) and stayed with those checks um but I just knew I wasn't going to be happy and the reality is the amount of hours I was working before Mm -hmm. I should have been I would much rather invest those hours in myself than invested in a corporation that the reality is I am replaceable Mm -hmm. that's a big thing that that right there that part because honestly that that is one of the reasons why I unapologetically take days off whenever I feel like it because it's it's my time and I can and it's like you know what if something happened to me today or tomorrow they're just gonna find somebody else to do this right Um, (laughs) that's exactly what it is yeah and we know the value that we have of course but I don't think management and directors and all the CEOs they look at that of course I don't think they appreciate sometimes even um, what they have in you know their employees but for your own business it's definitely true that you work harder um, for yourself though I think than you do at a company yeah absolutely um before I used to really always think that the harder I worked the more I would pay off but Mm -hmm. you're putting when you think that way you're putting all the power in someone else's hands because you're 
either saying, I hope you see all the hard work I'm putting in, or I have to let you know all the things that I'm doing that you don't have to see so you can see my value. And I don't want to have to be in a situation where I have to prove to you my my value. Like, as far as I'm concerned, God did not put me here to be mediocre. And that's how I try to carry throughout. So I just didn't, I just got tired of trying to play the corporate game. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I felt like the universe kept on shifting things. Like, so much drama was happening, like in my department where mm. I felt more like a therapist to my coworkers versus <laughs> wow versus like the director of finance. It was just mm. exhausting. I was I was worn out. Yeah. I can imagine. Um and I think so you mentioned being a director, so it's funny because I think that also it depends on the positions that we take on because I've typically been in position and intentionally kept myself in positions where I manage myself or process an analytical type of role or now more of a service-based role where I manage large commercial accounts. So not managing people, but managing people, I would think would you would turn into a therapist because <laughs> you're dealing with all of these adults and their stories and their life, right? Outside, even in addition to their work stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and because, you know what it is? I think when you work so many long hours with people, like mm-hmm. you, you click with who you click with. So I had... I had like my core group of like work friends who I stayed great friends with even after I left and Mm -hmm. you want to be there for them because you would want someone to be there for you but it started to really boil down to I'm spending so much time trying to offset all the drama happening in my department that I can't get my work done. And then I always had my office door closed, but my office door is closed, but the rest of my wall is glass. So you can see me in there. Um, So it's like, I couldn't get away. And I was just like, this is unhealthy. Like, yeah, I'm getting stressed out. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So another question I was going to ask you, because I was curious to see if we shared that common thread in when you were in your corporate career full-time were you besides managing people and dealing with all of that were you on projects on projects like other projects and volunteering for certain things did you have that type of setup at work um it was a bit of a mixed bag I did not, let me just say, once I started school, I did not volunteer for things because I didn't have the bandwidth. Um, But would my boss say, oh, Beth, I need this, I need this done. I need you on this thing or I need you on that thing. That would happen. But also because of my personality type, (laughs) if I saw something that I didn't like the way it was running, I would also be trying to fix it. Um, Mm, So those those two nights a week that would be running out of my building at 5 p.m. to make my 545 class. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have to offset that the other nights, the other days Mm. of the week. 
So now I'm okay. like, okay, well, now I'm here at eight. Now I'm here at 11. Or if we were like okay. closing the books for the month or we were in a budget cycle, then I'm there all hours of the night and now I have to take a car service me back to Jersey because it's still late and the train trains are no longer running. It was okay. um it was a it was a lot to <laughs> It, was a lot it to sounds juggle. like it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I was curious because one of the things I've just recently um discovered within myself is that because of what I've been used to doing corporately I've now transitioned that same energy into my own business where um, taking on client projects, it's not that it's not enough, but I'm so used to doing more. So, okay, let me add my real estate hat back on and now let me um, do the podcast because I love doing that. And it's all of these things. So I see you um, participating in other things as well besides client projects like You've participated in things like Design on a Dime. Um, obviously, you weren't just in High Point to Source. You were there on a panel discussion and all of those other things. So obviously, it's something that you like to do. You like to do other things besides just your regular job, if you will. Right. Um, I consider, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I consider everything as part of Beth, you are the CEO of Beth Lane Smith Interior Design. And with that, you have um, responsibilities to your company to make sure that you're getting exposure, to make sure your name is getting out there. And then you have um, the obligations you feel like you need to do towards your industry as being a Black female interior designer. Because you want to mm-hmm. make sure that you are representing and that there are other Black designers both male and female who can see someone that looks like them in the room so there are all these all these things that I try to juggle which is why I'm I usually say yes to like panels and mm-hmm. and podcasts and and things like that um but things like design on a dime I love because I consider design on a dime a client it's okay. just a client project where I have 100% creative control which is amazing um, yes. And it's, I feel like the act of charity is so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And that's why I absolutely love it. I was really disappointed, thanks COVID, that, um, you know, this year's mm. design on a dime, you know, had to be canceled. But yes. it's fine because I'm, I loved my concept so much that I'm carrying it forward to 2021. So I have literally some of my pieces for my design on a dime already here with me um, in, in my storage. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Well, everything you just said, it shows. So I'm so happy to hear that you said what you said about being a CEO of Beth. And I think that that's a term that people sometimes use loosely out here. And I've definitely started saying that using the hashtag CEO of me because to me, it's about your brand as well that you're trying to build for your company. It's not, we are so much more than just, in my case, I'm not necessarily an interior designer yet either. I'll say that, but I'm not just an interior decorator. I'm so much more. And like you said, you want to feel like you want to show up in these other areas, which is how I ended up doing this podcast from the lives because I feel like there, while there are some um, black podcast hosts out here there's a lot actually 
but I don't see a whole plethora of them in the interior design industry. And then um, when I do look at some of the other podcasts, it's like you only see certain people who look like us that get a chance to be on there and be heard. So um, I certainly appreciate you taking the time out to be on this platform um, with me because you are one of the interior designers that I definitely look up to and I'm sure I'm not the only one. (laughs) Thank you. That warms my heart. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I want to talk about an organization, one that I know you are a member of called the Black Artists and Designers Guild. Can you share um, some information about that organization for those who may not know about it? So the Black Artists and Designers Guild, um, affectionately known as BAD, is Mm -hmm. a community of experienced interior designers, artists, photographers, creatives, furniture make furniture um, designers um, who all take very seriously their craft. Mm-hmm. And we are very much dedicated to not only pushing our industry forward, but trying to make a more diverse and in- include, oh my God, sorry, I'm tongue tied an inclusive um, industry because clearly there is a diversity issue Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and that's one of the things that they have been striving for and since Melanie Barnett who's the founder of Badge launched um, the organization which I oh my god was this 2018 Mm -hmm. Um, oh my god was it 2018 absolutely November 2018 was the initial launch and it has progressed leaps and bounds and i've got to meet some amazing other creatives and i've even partnered um with another designer on projects on behalf of badge um which has been amazing so there's been opportunities that come up that i have that's all thanks to badge Mm, that's awesome Um, I remember when I came across that on Instagram and I clicked on it and I got all excited and I was going to try to join, but I saw that you had to be in the industry a minimum of three years. And my first reaction was, okay, I'll wait. (laughs) Because I was like, I'm not going anywhere. So I gave a lot of careful thought and consideration before I stepped into this. So I'm one of those people that I'm totally fine with paying my dues and putting my time in and learning and being a learner first anyway but I kind of appreciated the fact that it means it means that they're serious right if you have to be in the industry for three years and I don't know if that changed because this was like last year or a year and a half ago um but to me it just sent a message that this is serious this is not anything that we just want you to like pay a due and say you're a member of absolutely um And, you know, when Badge first launched, I was one of the founding members, and I didn't know at the time that that was one of the conditions to even apply. And I said, okay, I have so many questions, but then I understood why that was, because you're basically saying that this organization is top tier, and Mm -hmm. all of our members are top tier. So if you approach one of our members or you approach this organization, 
you know that you are getting an expert in the industry who also happens to be black or brown. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. So besides that organization, I'm sure you are a member of many. Are there any other organizations that you would encourage um, new emerging uh, creators in the industry to um, join? Um, I mean, there are the only two organizations that I feel like, so with Badge, I am a a current member, like I pay my dues, I'm active in the organization. Um, I'm not super active in the Black Interior Designers Network. However, I consider myself a member because I support what they do. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not actively in both because I don't have the bandwidth um, Mm -hmm. to to do that (laughs) um, on top of running my business and everything else. Mm -hmm. But there are so, I feel like there are a lot of organizations and many that I probably am not even aware of. Um, So Mm -hmm. I can't say another one that, that comes top of mind, but I feel like joining an organization is extremely important because it's all about at this point in your career in the beginning Mm -hmm. and at the end and everything in between it all boils down to networking (laughs) and relationships and Mm -hmm. education there there are so many caveats that make you a successful designer and relationships go a long way in this industry i mean in every industry you know that relationships are important um Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend <laughs> that <laughs> someone join an organization and be active and work on growing those relationships. Okay. All right. I can appreciate that. And so I just want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your client project experiences. Um, I've seen what you have posted and things like that. And of course, the bachelor pad is one that sticks out in my mind. <laughs> I, I, feel, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've done more than one or if I'm just looking at different photos of it, but how would you, what would like, do you have an ideal client or have your projects in, in your portfolio been a bit of a mix? Oh, it's definitely been a bit of a mix. Um, that. I would say that is probably, I don't want to say top, like my top bachelor project. I have had a couple of other bachelor projects, um, but it was like a mix, like either, you know, the client didn't have a huge budget at the time and where I was in my career. Um, so mm-hmm. we couldn't do everything. Like we did like, let's say a living room um, or mm-hmm. there was another client also a bachelor and we were focused on like his living room his bedroom um you know different areas of the house but he would not trust the process and he Mm. would not trust me so because we couldn't get there like we couldn't we didn't finish you know budget was an issue there were all these things um but I don't think I don't think clients realize that if I came to you, I'll use an example of a living room. If I came mm-hmm. to you with an overall design, um, 
or I came to you with, oh, I think that this is the, I think this is a great sofa. This would be perfect in the space. I'm telling you all the reasons why. But you want to hear, you want to see, I should say, 50 other options. Mm. Okay, but in per your contract, you only have three revisions. So let's say that, <laughs> yes. sorry, two revisions. Um, you only have two revisions. So we, we go through that process. But if for every single item you push back mm. and you want to see others, you are sucking up so much time, especially when I realized that we would always end up at that original item oh my that I put forth. And I never forget, he said, isn't this what you recommended the first time? I was like, yes. He said, are you going to say I told you so? And I said, you don't pay me to say I told you so. Like, wow, that's what it that's what it boils down to. And I realized that, you know, we all experience clients like that. It, it's not it's not going to be my first and it's definitely not going to be my last. It's I mean, it hasn't been my last. Um, mm-hmm. But the client doesn't realize that when you do that, you are wearing on the process and you are mm-hmm. you are wasting time eventually it's like okay you you hired you hired someone as the expert trust them to do their job mm-hmm. yep that right there i just have to take a deep breath <laughs> because, <laughs> because you already know where i am and i'm still in the beginning stages where sometimes that's a challenge um and it's it's nice to know that it's like a it's bittersweet to know that okay this is kind of the norm because people are going to be people so it really doesn't necessarily mean it's just because I'm new or any anyone who's listening it's not just because you're newer but it's also just basically like you said there are going to be some clients who just won't trust you fully or won't trust the process right and it's exhausting it is so 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 exhausting um and you know I'm dealing with a, a client right now who is like that and every single thing and I mean every single thing it's oh can we see additional options Mm. and I'm like Mm. I just showed you a pen you want to see another pen (laughs) like and you and you realize that some clients just want to see Mm. everything but I'm like Mm. okay but your project is going to take so much longer because you won't trust that the thing that I presented to you the first time I gave it to you because I felt like that was the best option based on all mm-hmm. of these reasons. I'm, I'm never making that, I'm never making that decision blindly. And sometimes it just drives me so insane, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it just is what it is sometimes. Yeah. And I think the other thing that clients can overlook sometimes is that besides the fact that it's going to make the design phase longer, but also um, the sofa you picked out you pick that out for a reason with that rug and that table. So now if they want to change that, it's really changing your, almost your entire concept to a degree. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when that has happened to me, I don't know if you feel the same, but it actually made me start to feel like less of a creator and more of a personal shopper. Yeah. Like now I'm your personal shopper. (laughs) That's exactly, that's exactly what it feels like. 
yeah so I'm with you I understand and I recently I'm gonna make you laugh and just share this but I um I'm doing one one of my projects includes several spaces and um it's a couple and one have asked asked me if I could find a fish tank so (laughs) when I told somebody else this they were like what a fish tank and I'm like well it's going in the kitchen it needs to look nice um with the furniture but to your point I took measurements and I know what's in that space I know what size um stand should be in that space so when I came up with an option I couldn't believe that um I was asked for more options because I think for us we're looking at furniture almost being a little more important than the fish tank but we know if a fish tank is going in a room it definitely doesn't need to compete with furniture so it's like right right <laughs> yeah. So I just was like, to me, that was one of the oddest uh, requests that I've had so far. Um, Someone asked me to find. And even with that, there were they needed more options. So I felt like I was shopping for aquarium stuff, you know, as opposed to trying to finish a room in a sense. Right. Um, It's funny because I have a client now who's a repeat client and I love her. Like she is one of my hands down favorite clients. Um, and one of the things we're, I, she's been talking about having a fish tank because she just loves fish. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Since we worked on her first project at a, at a different property. And mm-hmm. I understand like for her, it, that fish tank needs to be a center of it. Almost like it needs to be a moment, right? Okay. So the furniture okay. becomes important. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, how are all these things going together? So she sent me, she was going to like do the whole fish tank thing um, herself because it, it was like, not something we discussed. It was outside the scope of work. So she was like, oh, do you mind mm-hmm. if I send it over to you? And because I adore her and she's been an amazing client, I'm like, sure, send it over. So I'm the queen of audio messages. So I sent her an audio message. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. I said, this fish tank is traditional. And you are not a traditional woman. Like, you like funky, you like eclectic, and you like unique. This is not, this fish tank is not for you. Wow. And then she was like, oh my God, you're so right. And then the next day she sent me a text. She was like, I wish I would have saved your audio message because I'm still laughing. Thank you for stopping me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you are welcome. Because you can't be putting that fish tank next next to that wallpaper I picked out. (laughs) Yes, because it's going in your space. And I think for me, when uh, this came about during a consultation and, you know, during a consultation, we're trying to win a client as well. So whatever they're asking you, you're like, yeah, we can do that, you know, without even thinking. And then after I walked away and it went into the scope of the work, I had no regrets because, you know, you want to go above and beyond and just make your clients happy. Um, But to your point I feel like that's like... the thing though you gotta <laughs> you gotta say no sometimes from the beginning yeah and I did right but I feel like that's part of that's part of the learning the learning experience like I know mm-hmm. the, the things that I would have said okay to I'm just like no we can't do that because of xyz or you probably shouldn't do that because of xyz mm-hmm. like I'll always tell them the why and the mm-hmm. why not so they can understand mm-hmm. it and I just think that I'm being the psycho designer that's saying no 
Um, and I feel like part of the reason to get your client to trust you is that education process. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes total sense. So that was a learning piece for me. Um, I just had to share because when you said revisions, it really just made me think of that. Um, So another question about clients in the beginning that a lot of people tend to ask is, how did you get your first clients and how was it for you? Can you share a little bit about how you went about getting your first clients and how you established a reasonable fee structure? Oh, wow. So it's a it's a bit of a mix. And I say that because I'll tell you about my first client before school and my first client after I graduated design school. So my first client before school, um, I feel like she found me through Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. Now, I had just recently launched my business. I launched my business part time in 2009, um, October of 2009. And she reached out to me in 2010. And I mean, for me, this is proof that I didn't take it seriously because I didn't really care how much I made. Because okay. it's like, this is a side hustle. Like, I'm getting this good corporate check. It's, it's not a mm. big deal. So I charged her something like dumb, like 350 for like a living room. Like mm. it was outlandish. Um, <laughs> and that was... That was like a learning experience because then I'm I'm on site, I'm learning the things that I would not have thought of, or the things mm. that I realized that you don't need to do all this, or Beth, you need to be focused on this thing over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I realized that we had a couple of mutual connections on Facebook, and that's how she might have ended up on my business page. Okay. Once I started, okay. once I wrapped up her project, which was like in. I feel like it was like in 2011 or end of 2010. Um, I started design school part time January of 2011. So because I was going to, at that time, I started off with one class because I was just trying to get my feet wet. Um, mm-hmm. And what I realized was, okay, you're going to school two nights a week, you're working full time, and then on the Saturday and Sunday, all you're doing is homework for this one class. So mm-hmm. I realized, like, you're doing too much. You cannot take on any clients because you don't have the bandwidth or the the literal time of day to do it. So mm-hmm. I stopped. I didn't take any more clients. And okay. then 2004, fast forward to 2014, um, I had left. I had left Viacom um, in May of 2014. I became a full time student in September. So that fall semester, I was full time for literally just that one semester so I could finish my degree. And in that time, um, Sheila Bridges referred my very first client um, post-school because Mm. I I graduated in December and I think she had made that referral also in that December and I met him for the consultation in in January of uh, 2015. Okay. And all my other clients, like around that time, also was recommendations from friends. Like, oh, nice. my friend Beth, she just launched an interior design firm. You should check her out. Um, and it was actually funny enough. The next client after the the guy that Sheila Bridges referred, um, 
the person that referred this client, oh my God, she worked with me at Viacom. And, oh, wow. Right. It was, um, she, she told a friend and that friend told this couple who then became a great repeat client. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was, I was at their house. Um, I think I spent, I was spent Thanksgiving with them. Like, wow. <laughs> they became like, they, yeah, I was like at the home I helped decorate for Thanksgiving. Um, so they've been, they've been amazing. So with friends doing those referrals, Mm-hmm. that eventually led to clients and then those clients started referring other clients okay and I think that's kind of the best way because I don't know about you but I'm, I think well for me that's how I started getting clients but it gave me a sense of comfort because there were people I knew either friends at work or people that just referred me to somebody I knew it just was like a different kind of feeling as opposed to a total stranger um, in a sense so word of mouth seems to be the best way have you now um, since then have you gotten clients from Instagram funny enough yes it was the last oh I feel like I noticed the shift last year mm-hmm. um, oh, I'm trying to go back into my memory bank so I had, my house was on Open House NYC. Uh, this was the beginning of 2018. Okay. And from that, from when that episode aired, and I want to say that was like January of 2018, I saw a, a spike in my social media where people like googled best diana smith and found my instagram and i started to get inquiries that way and through that nice. build up because the it's like the, the segment kept on airing mm-hmm. um i started to get clients from from that show so it was nice. oh i saw the show i googled you i ended up on your website then i went to your instagram and i scrolled and i wanted to reach out and that's how um oh that's you know what one of the clients, the, my the quote unquote fish tank client that I'm working with now, the repeat client, <laughs> she mm-hmm. that's how she found me um, as well. And now that um, you know, I'm, I'm much more active on Instagram than I than I was uh, before over these last mm-hmm. couple of years. I get a lot more client inquiries through that. Mm-hmm. So that proves that it kind of does matter if you're active on social media a little bit, even though. It seems like you've already had an amazing clientele, but you've had years in the business um, as well. Um, right, but I, right, right, right. It's a it's a mixed bag because I feel like um, having been on TV a couple times mm-hmm. raised my exposure, and that and that Google search. I'm telling you, even even though like they go view my website, they always seem to end back up at my Instagram. Mm, okay okay yeah I would imagine being on TV is definitely going to supersede Instagram for sure it's going to bring people right. to the page but right. yeah being on TV is major so that's great to hear I don't think I knew about that but that was probably before I got started but I did I have seen your recent um footage that where you did your house tour was that with House Beautiful that was yeah that was with house beautiful um and that was like post one room challenge okay 
Yeah, right. that even was that great bachelor too. pad, even that bachelor pad was on Open House NYC, and that aired. Uh, oh my god, when did that air? I think that oh that aired this past February, I believe. Okay, I do remember that. Now that one, I do remember now that you mentioned it because that's probably why it stuck out in my mind. I remember that. So, um, I think I do want to ask with that said in mind, how would you recommend interior designers get involved in, um, what would you recommend they do or anything in particular they can get involved in to get that type of exposure or to be noticed as art? Like the TV show, for example, is that something that approached you or did you have to apply for those opportunities? Um, oh, that's, um, it's a bit of a mix. So my first ever TV experience was HDTV and that was, oh my God, um, that, I feel like we filmed that in like 2015, 2016, but the production Mm -hmm. company that reached out, um, the, there was a woman there, um, who was amazing she read about me on someone's blog and I believe it was Kimberly Ward who was the founder of the Black Interior Designers Network and I had Mm -hmm. met her back in 2011 at um oh my god Kravitz used to do this blog fest and they did that like 2011 12 and 13 and I met her there Mm -hmm. and we became friends and we stayed in touch and she included me in on a blog post and then this woman from the production company who was looking for a black interior designer saw that blog post and then she reached out and then okay. that's how that kind of came to fruition to have an HGTV pilot and then with my first open house NYC it's funny like I don't even know who the who the woman was I'm still dying to know but they had um, the editor of NBC Black, which is like their digital platform, mm-hmm. had reached out to the producer, a producer at Open House NYC, and said, I would love for you guys to like feature um, this woman's home. Mm. But by the time we ended up filming, that that um, editor had already left the company and the producer couldn't remember her name. So okay. I'm so thankful to her because that, that, that started something. So when I went to do um, Bachelor Pad, I was like, oh, this needs to be on TV. I reached out to the producer and said, hey, I just completed this great project. Here are the photos. I would love to shoot it. And that's how we ended up shooting that one. Awesome. That is a great story. That's so inspiring because it's nice to hear that. I think the piece that I'm picking up on the most is being active networking um leveraging relationships and then not only that that you're asking so much but people will think of you if they know who you are in a sense absolutely right and i'm like that's why relationships become so important because the same way that she invested in me Mm -hmm. by like writing about me um like it's it's a give and take but that's why i'm a firm believer that you have to network from a place of giving like you shouldn't expect to receive agreed anything mm-hmm. and I feel like because I've always operated that way like all these opportunities have come in my direction mm-hmm. totally agree yep I believe it for sure 
Um, so before we wrap up, because I feel like I could talk to you for another hour um, about <laughs> like five more topics. But before we wrap up, I just want to ask one last question. If you have any advice that you would give either yourself when you first started or someone else who's just starting, um, what advice would you give them? Oh, wow. To someone just starting? Maybe in their um, first year or maybe even just thinking about it. Either one. Oh, wow. Um, I feel like I would give... I'd, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give the answers to both. For the person okay. who isn't sure, um, if you're not sure, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Test the waters and then figure out something that you actually want to do and then do it because it's a commitment and it's a big commitment. It has nothing to do with pretty things. It has everything to do with managing expectations, managing your client, managing a budget, managing orders, Mm -hmm. um, managing issues, managing other people, um, being strategic. It's not about pretty rooms. I feel like the creativity is probably 20% or less. Yes. A lot Mm -hmm. of it is strategy and management. Um, So if you want to be, if you want to be great at it, it takes a lot of work. So if you're not sure, um, you got to test out those orders first. I remember when I was first thinking about it, I went Mm -hmm. and I took a, oh my God, I forget the name of the class. I went into the class first at night that it was like a, a course over a few weeks and it was Mm -hmm. just so I could learn more about interior design to see Mm -hmm. if I actually wanted to do it and I said okay you know what I really like this to apply to the school Mm -hmm. and um, I started attending and that's what I ended up doing now for the person who's in their first year um, I'm going to say it again network (laughs) Mm -hmm. educate yourself when I say educate yourself I mean, read every publication, understand the different um, aesthetic of all the different publications, understand your craft, understand the history of design, learn the designers, learn the architects, um, learn, you know, the perspective of the contractor, learn the perspective of the architect, Um, try to be a master of your craft. And don't compare to yourself to the next designer. The goal is you need to be better than who you were yesterday. And that would be my my biggest advice. I love that. I love that. Thank That's you. awesome advice. Um, I think is I'm glad you did pinpoint that though about the comparison because naturally as people, I don't know if women do it more than men. I feel like it doesn't even matter to gender, but I think as people in general, we have a tendency, especially on Instagram, where you're scrolling, always looking at other people's stuff. You have a tendency to measure yourself against the next person or you're aspiring to be like other people. But to your point, I think it's important to just get to figure out who you are as an interior designer creative because who you are as a corporate person or who you are as a mom or a wife it might be different <laughs> it might not be right. the same so right I think that was and great. right and likely you are comparing yourself to someone's highlight reel mm. like you're not even comparing yourself 
yes to the the actual person i remember like when when i first completed the one room challenge mm-hmm. um i was having a conversation with a girlfriend she was just like oh my god like this thing is everywhere and i was like how funny is it if people knew all the stuff that was happening on the back end like this is great but you think my <laughs> highlight reel like yes. you don't you're not seeing the chaos going on yes. in day to day life because at the end of the day I was still in the pandemic with everybody else yes I was doing like some some volunteer work like there was a lot going on so people got to keep that in mind like don't get caught up <laughs> yes in, in the matrix of what you think because what you think is likely not reality that's very true I try to be intentional about sharing little stuff in my stories even like the first freight delivery I ever received today which was left on my sidewalk and I was like welcome to freight because we talked about receivership and stuff and a couple of the lives and this is the reality so I mean because COVID is a problem I think some of the receiverships are still having delays and they're having issues so sometimes it's easier to get stuff sent to your house but those are the the realities that people don't always share how their living room looks like a stock room you know or because your garage is now full so now you're walking around boxes in a dining room and it's not a game like you said exactly exactly I mean one of the reasons I don't even know if we even got into this but the reason why I chose to conquer my first floor is because I had water damage last year so because like I was so focused on clients and like life. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had an opportunity to get my first floor back together. Like, okay, I have a floor again mm-hmm. and I have, you know, ceilings and, and walls again. So my house was livable. Let, let me go back to focusing in on my clients. But I was basically kind of almost living in chaos because I also said, you know what? I wanted to redesign my house anyway. Yes. Um, the universe clearly wants me to do it now. So I had mm-hmm. gotten rid of most of my furniture. Either it got donated or it got damaged from the water or mm-hmm. I sold it or it ended up in my garage. Like, I'll figure it out another day. Okay. Um, and that was like, you know what? This is the perfect challenge <laughs> to make <laughs> yes. sure you get everything done. Just just do the whole do the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's certainly a situation that calls for it. And it probably, like you said, the stars lined up just in time because one thing I will attest to now is that being in this industry, we tend to save ourselves for last. Um, Our homes, our bedrooms, um, my bedroom is still last, which needs to get done next. But um, that's just what we tend to do. So it, it made you put yourself first and then you can enjoy you know the fruits of your labor more right absolutely absolutely i mean right now my whole first floor is in chaos um furniture is out the way books are everywhere i have a bunch of stuff on my dining room on my dining room table because i was working on something special Mm -hmm. last week that i can't wait to share soon Mm. um and i'm just like i don't have time to (laughs) put everything back the way i want it and i'm making some changes Mm-hmm. Um, and I know mm-hmm. I just did one challenge, but as a designer, you already know how that goes. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm making changes. So I'm just like, I don't want to rush it. I need to focus on my client. So this is just going to have to wait. Yes. And there you have it. It starts all over again. The right. cycle starts all over again. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's a cycle. Yes. 
Well, I don't want to keep you all night um, because I know it's just so much. It's so many things to talk about. And I just appreciate everything that you shared. And I want to just say thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule um, to come on um, and talk to me and share some of who you are and your experiences with everyone. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was hands down. Um my pleasure thank you for having me okay well we'll be talking again soon i'm sure but for now thank you and enjoy the rest of your day thank you you too okay bye-bye all right bye-bye